1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 11. Are you ready? It says this. Cam, it's just going to be me and you this morning. But as for you, O man of God, watch this. It says, flee these things. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and even gentleness. Verse 12, we all know this. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about, you, and, and, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge. Everybody shout, I charge. I charge, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. And of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, who, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Verse 7 is where I'm going. Verse 17, I'm sorry. As for the rich in this present age... Charge them not to be haughty or arrogant, and tell them not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who, watch his verbiage now, he shifts it here, and he says, who richly provides everything that you'll ever need. Tell the rich not to focus on wealth, but to focus on God, for he will richly bless you. Do you see how he's saying it? Verse 18, they are, these rich people are to do good. Let me back up to verse 17. Let me read that again. That's so good. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us everything to enjoy. That's amazing. Whatever you have in life that you get joy from, guess who it came from? Come on. He gives you everything to enjoy. Verse 18. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Come on, church. Now he's talking to us. We're to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and always ready to share. Verse 19. And when you do this, you store up treasure for yourself as a good foundation for the future so that you may take hold of that which is true life. Everybody shout true life. True life. Verse 20. Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit that's been entrusted to you. You see how, how Paul's talking in banking terms. Guard the deposit. Okay? Avoid irreverent babble. Avoid gossip. Come on, if you're going to gossip about me, don't talk, don't hug me on Sunday when you're going to go talk about me on Monday, right? Come on, that's what he's saying. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Don't act like you know everything when you're going to run around and just babble about everybody that you do know. For by professing it, watch what happens to you. You're going to be a gossiper. You'll find yourself swerving from the faith. Then how he ends it. Hey, grace be with you. I love that. I love that. Come on, who, did I just hit anybody? Don't raise your hand. Come on. <laughs> Today I want to talk about verse 17, 18, and 19, and we're going to go back and forth between these for the next couple of weeks. But the title of our talk is going to be Radical Generosity. Everybody shout radical. radical. Generosity. Generosity. Now, when we read passages like we just read, and it talks about the rich, Timothy, tell the rich in this present age not to be haughty. And not to love money. And he starts talking. And when we think the word rich means people that drive BMWs and live in big houses and white picket fence with a dog named Spot. And, and you know, uh, the American version of rich is that. But when Paul talks about rich and when he writes the word rich to Timothy, he's actually talking about people that have shelter, who have food, and who have clothes on their back. They are the rich people at this time. This is, and, and we got a lot of people that think, you know, well, this passage doesn't apply to me because, you know, he's going to preach a sermon series that really don't apply to me because I'm not rich but I have to kind of bust your bubble there baby because listen I'm not talking about big homes and nice cars if you've got clothes food and shelter you are loaded come on you are loaded because at the, at, at, because even in the world that we live in and, and we're back in the, the biblical times there were only two types of people the haves and the have-nots 
you got the people that have everything and the people that have absolutely nothing. And this passage, considering the world that we live in today in America, is absolutely addressed towards us. I know it was written thousands of years ago, but it is for us right now because by the world's standards, if you go to Africa, I don't care if you've got 25 cents to your name and your lights are about ready to be cut off in the morning, you are still, by the world's standards, absolutely loaded. you got more money than you can imagine. I know it seems difficult, but if you could see it through somebody else's eyes, they would kill to be in your shoes. You are loaded and so Paul writes to Timothy and he says Timothy don't be haughty with what you've got you've got clothing you've got shelter you've got food don't be arrogant with it don't think that you're better than somebody that doesn't have any of that because we know listen everybody in this room whether it's through government assistance whether it's through a job whether it's through uh, whatever it is we all know that we're going to have food we all know that some way we're going to have shelter and we all know that we're going to have transportation and we know that we're going to have clothes How do I know that? Because you're here this morning, you ate this morning, and you got clothes on this morning. Every one of us are loaded. Say this, I'm loaded. Come on, some of you are prophesying in your future. Come on. And so Paul's calling us rich here. He's saying, hey, guys, you guys are rich. All of you that I'm discussing here, you're rich. But what's so significant is this this particular chapter in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Out of the two-thirds of the the New Testament books of the Bible that that Paul wrote, this is the most that he discusses the topic of money. And this is where he basically speaks to those who have enough money to buy all the necessities of life, clothing, food, and shelter. He begins to preach to them. Now, what he's about to do in just a second is he's going to introduce us and he's going to flip us into a totally different economy. He's going to show us how God's economy works. And so he, he... he basically prefaces what he's talking to Timothy by telling him, hey, don't be haughty with what God's already given you. Don't be arrogant. It's never, it wasn't about you. It didn't come from the working of your fingers. It came because God gave you talents and abilities. Give it all back to God. And he's about to make us think differently about the way we act, about even our checking and our banking account and our savings account. He's about to change our mind and see us, make us see things differently. And now before we get instructions from Paul, he begins to deal with the emotion of money. How many of you know that there's an emotion attached with money? Come on, you spend 100 bucks on a pair of shoes, and you're like, oh, God, oh, Jesus. And you start sweating. There's an emotion attached with money. And so Paul knows this even back then, and he begins to confront the emotions that come with money. He says, now, Timothy, I want you to charge. Everybody shout charge. He says, I want you to charge the rich people in your community. I want you to tell them, don't be... Stingy with what God's given them. Tell these people that have food, clothing, shelter to be generous always. Now, Timothy, at this point, most scholars believe he's pastoring a mega church. I've heard a lot of people say that he is a young preacher and he has about 15,000 members in his congregation. That's a huge church even today, but especially back then, because you've got to consider that nobody had transportation, nobody, unless you had a camel and you was very rich and if you had some kind of animal that you could ride. But most people would walk on foot for miles to get to this church that Timothy was pastoring, and it was about 15,000 people. And so he's the pastor of a mega church. And Paul writes to him and he says, Timothy, I know out of the 15,000, You've got to have a few people that have clothing, food, and shelter. And therefore, you've got a lot of people in your congregation that are stinking loaded. And so I want you to preach this. And I want you to teach this. And I want you to encourage them. I don't want you to get, I don't want you to give them down the road because they got that stuff. It's not that they're condemned because they got it. But I want you to encourage them that because they got it, now they get to be a blessing to everybody that they come in contact with. And so now you will notice that, that Paul just confronts these two emotions that are attached with money. He's, he begins to talk about two emotions. And watch how he writes. He's In verse 17, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. And tell them, do not set your hopes on uncertainty of riches. 
which is Paul's way of saying this. Listen, tell everybody in your church, Timothy, that they are no better than somebody else because they got money. And two, tell them that their life will not be fulfilled because they got money. It is an impossibility for your life. I know a lot of people think that's the, well, if I could just get more money, I'd be happy. No, that is a lie from hell. Money has no power to fulfill you. The only thing that can fulfill you is the Holy Spirit of God. Come on. And I'm telling you, that is the only chance. So what would happen if we actually believed these two things and grasped these two things? That money cannot fulfill me, so therefore I'm going to chase God more than I chase it. Because it can't fulfill me anyway. And two... I'm not better than you because I got more, or you're not better than me because you got more. We're all in this thing together. We were born the same way. We put our genes on the same way, and we're going to die the same way. So let's just live life together and help each other. And if you truly believed, listen to me, if we truly believe that just because we have, we don't have, but just because we got more money than somebody else and, and money can't make us any better in, in, internally, how would that change our life? Because the, the pull that money has on us is this, that if I can get more money, my life would be more complete. If I could get that bigger house, if I could get that nicer vehicle, if I could get that. You see how and all of us in this room are guilty of this. If I can get that, then this. If I could get that, then this. If I could get that, then I'd be happy. If I could pay my power bill, then, then, then. It's an if and then scenario. And so if I could just get all this stuff. But you got to ask yourself, would it really? Would your life really be fulfilled if you got everything that you're praying for? If you had the boat, listen, I know a lot of wealthy, wealthy people that are miserable. They can't even put a smile on their face. They got women hanging off their arms and they're 75. My dad knows who I'm talking about. They got women hanging, the little, little women hanging off their arms all over the place. And he can't even crack a smile because he's so miserable. What he thought would fulfill him ended up being the thing that is actually driving him down. Because what you think will fulfill you never will because there is nothing fulfilling in this life other than Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And listen, would you, it may help you be more at peace at night. You may be able to rest better knowing that you, you, know, you got that bill taken care of. But this, this idea that because we got more money we're going to live a better life is obscured. Because have you ever met anybody, have anybody ever met anybody with a lot of money? Come on, most of the time, I'm not saying all the time, but a lot of the time they are just, they don't know who they can trust. You know, they can't open up to anybody because they don't know if they're, they're friends really or they're just wanting their money. So they, they kind of build a shelter and they're, they're living in a bubble being miserable. And it's all because of money. And so they can't even be who they really want to be or because everybody's coming after them wanting a handout. And so these people try to live life over here with the elect group because they know they're not going to get bothered. When in all reality, they probably want to be just us, but we won't let them. And so we've made an us and a them because of our money. And God never intended it to be like that. But if we are honest, we all have this internal notion. We all have this longing for more. If I could just get this and more of this and more of that and more of this. Hey, if I could just get a better house, I promise you, God, if you give me that house, I'll come in church with a smile on my face. If you'll give me a car, I will praise you all the way to church in my car. I'll turn up my radio. And you make false promises to God trying to pull his leg, trying to get him to give you something that you're praying for. And Paul's saying, Timothy, tell your people that have money that they are the same as the people that don't have a dollar to their name we are all going out the same just be for each other now there's nowhere let me just say this and I'm getting ready to get into something there's nowhere in this passage that Timothy or Paul either one of them there is nowhere in this passage that either one of them knock you for having money because there is nothing wrong with having money there's just something wrong with money having you and Paul is trying to preach that he's saying you know you can have all the boats and the houses that you want there's nothing wrong with that but make sure that at the end of the day you're serving others at the same time that you're buying for yourself. Come on. And he never, he just, he has, you have to understand that 
more money shouldn't change your character. It should only increase your character. That's what he's preaching. If you understand this, then it will be liberating. Come on, I know it's a tight subject. I know a lot of people are right now, oh, Lord, he's going to take up, an, I'm not taking up another offering. Relax. Come on, you've already gave. We're just preaching. But if genuinely, at the core of your being, if you said to yourself every morning you woke up, you know what, I'm just going to be a blessing to everybody. I may not have a lot, but I, I, I know i got some, and I'm just going to give whatever God's given me, and I'm going to make sure that somebody has a great day because he has blessed me. Now, And so he tells them, he says, tell them, watch what he does. He, he shifts it now, and he says, tell them not to set their expectations on monetary things because, listen, they're erratic. They're sporadic. One day they're up, the stock market's up, the next day it's down. You might have a million dollars one day and you might be living in a shack the next. You never know with money. So don't put your hope on that. Because if your hope is in money, you'll always be miserable because you'll never know what's going to happen. And Timothy, I want you to tell the rich people not to set their focus on money and attaining more wealth. But I want you to tell them to focus wholeheartedly on one person, Jesus. And go after him. Now what Paul's doing is he's moving and showing us a different economy. He's beginning to introduce us into how God works. And he's about to show us a completely different economy. And he starts uh, and he's, he preps us by saying, he says, listen, there's only one person that you've got to please in this economy. It's not your grandma. It's not your grandpa. It's not anybody else. When you get in this economy, it's just one. His name's God. And when you get in his economy and you do what he wants you to do in his economy, you will be blessed beyond measure. And if you want to function in this economy, then you have to understand that, like I said earlier, your job is not your source, your wife is not your source your husband's not your source your church is not your source he is your source and that is the bottom line and he's saying tell people not to put their hopes in money but to put their hope in God and watch what he says he says who richly gives you everything that you need to enjoy life this is amazing this is amazing put your hope in God because I promise you he will provide everything that you need to be happy come on I'm, I'm hoping this is going to be the happiest giving sermon that you've ever heard Say this, I'm happy. I'm happy. But did you just say, did you just see what, what, what Paul did? He said, Timothy, when you do this, you will be happy beyond measure, and God will give you everything that you need. Paul just done something amazing. He just connected giving with joy and happiness and a life full of fulfillment. So what Paul's now teaching Timothy is, Timothy, every time that you give, God gives you fullness. Every time that you give, God gives you a little bit more joy. Every because have you ever, listen, you can buy all the clothes that you want. Go Black Friday shopping, buy you a car full of clothes, spend $1,000, and you won't feel any different. But if you'll go give $1,000 to a family that don't have any money, I promise you, your face will light up. And you'll be saying, my God, look how awesome this is. Because when you give, something happens on the inside. That's how we were created. We were created in His sight and in His image. What is God? He is a giver. And I've heard it said like this, you are never more like God than when you give. Because he is a giver by nature. And so we got a lot of people that walk around life thinking that God's not concerned with your finances because, you know, God doesn't need money. He can function all by himself. And so we think that God's some distant God out in space somewhere that doesn't need money. But listen to me. If you are concerned about money, God's concerned about money because God's concerned about whatever you're concerned about. And he loves you right where you're at. And if you have a problem with us discussing money in church, I hate to bust your bubble, but money is the most dominant aspect and the, most thing, the, the biggest thing that we think about during the week. How am I going to pay this bill? What am I going to do? How am I going to get this? i got to make X amount of dollars this week. i got to budget. i got to do this. i got to get that. i got to go grocery shopping. i got to make sure i got enough money. Oh, 90% of your thoughts are about money. Come on, raise your hand if it is. There ain't no shit. Come on, if you ain't raising your hand, I'm going to say some bad stuff. But let me ask you this. What if you took all the thoughts in one week that you had about money, and instead of thinking about money, you thought about God? How much closer would your relationship with him be? Just one week. 
Just one week, one day, let's try one day. If you took all the thoughts that come in your mind about money and you shifted it and started thinking about God, because whether you know it or not, this is what God wants. He wants us to think about Him as our source and our strength. The See, we, got, we, we made money our source, and we think money is our source, and so that's why it's always on our mind. How can I make more? But God's saying, no, no, no. In my economy, if you will think on me, and if you will pursue me, I will add all these things to you that you need to be blessed and be fulfilled. Come on, Jesus says, Jesus says in the book of Acts, you'll be far happier giving than you ever will be getting if you'll just practice it and some of you just need to take this into action and you imagine if we believe that just this little church if we actually believe that it would change everything it would change everything if we learned that the key to truly being happy was not attaining more but giving more it would shift an entire community and Paul's saying put your hope in God not money not things not possessions put your hope in the hands of a savior who wants nothing but good for you so that you can be happy peaceful and fulfilled Everybody awake? Yeah. Let me just say this. Hey. hey. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Oh, it's awesome. Kim. Oh, Lord Jesus. It's 12, 13. I'm going to wrap this up here in just a minute. But God says, hey, whether you believe it or not, I want you to be fulfilled. We've got a lot of people that think that you know, God doesn't want you blessed, or God wants you to struggle, or just God's teaching you a lesson. God is saying, no, I want you to enjoy life, but in order to get what I want you to have, you've got to do what I'm asking you to do. Function in God's economy. Do what God's asking you to do. Come on, notice how God gives, though. God doesn't give begrudgingly, and God doesn't give like an Indian giver when he gives you something, he wants it back. That's not how God works. God gives lavishly. That's what Paul just said. He said he gives lavishly. Listen to that language. And so don't ever let anybody tell you that your God doesn't love you enough to give whatever you need, and he gives to you lavishly. And some of you are saying, well, how can you say that? Well, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, hashtag lavish. Come on, somebody. He gives lavishly. He gave his son. And so if he's willing to give that for you, will he? He not give anything else that you need to make sure that you're fulfilled. Come on. And so we should expect and be in eager anticipation for God to give lavishly. And Paul's getting to the core of it, whether you see it or not. He's getting to the core of not only what you believe about money, but how you believe God. And he's using money to really make you think, hmm, which one's my source? I've been focusing on money. But in all reality, it's him. Because I had an economics class in, in college. You understand that God does not work in pie economics. You know what pie economics is? I, have you ever heard that term? <laughs> pie economics is basically this. You have 12 slices of pie. And when you take one slice, it's gone forever. Somebody eats it, it's gone forever. And people think that, for instance, if everybody in here was praying for a car, we think that if... JD got a new car falling his lap this week, then we would automatically think, you know what, God just gave his only car, and so nobody else in this room is getting a car. <laughs> and believe it or not, I've ran into people that think that because so-and-so got a healing, that they're not going to get a healing because it's, it's just, or so-and-so got this, and so we're not going to get that. Listen, God does not work in pie economics. Come on. He has an endless supply for his kids, but you've got to get in this. Thing. Listen, there are certain things that you've got to get in line with. When you get in alignment, I promise you, things will begin to open up. And he goes on, and Paul begins to write, and he makes four simple statements about how you can participate in God's economy. But Paul begins to write in the message translation, and he says this, but Timothy, here's a fair warning. When you live in this
this economy and when you live with this lavishly, when you live with this generosity, people will make fun of you. And people will come up to you and say, what you gave? How much? Why did you do that? You can't even afford to do that. What's wrong with you? I can't believe that you've done it. we got a power bill to pay and you gave your tithes to the church? Are you kidding me? People will make fun of you. And Paul is saying, it's coming. It's coming. You will get mocked and you will get ridiculed, but you've got to remember who your source is. So Timothy, number one, he says this, tell them to do good. I love that. Simple. It's easy. Tell them to do good. In the original language in Hebrew, it says, watch this. I love this right here. It says, Timothy, tell your people to use their money for more than personal luxury. When it says tell them to do good, it wasn't just opening car doors and, and doing all that stuff. It says, whenever you have money, don't just use it to get a bigger house and nicer cars. There's nothing wrong with that. But make sure you use it to bless somebody because you are blessed to be a blessing. Come on. It's got to be more than just luxury. And our entire economy that we live in is based on if I get, then I'm going to spend on me. Come on. Whatever I work for, it's my money. Honey, it's my money. I'm going shopping this Friday. And I'm going to spend my whole paycheck. Come on. That's how we, and so we think that if we can get more, we can obtain more and we will have more and people will look at us like we are up here. And so many people live for this because of a void in your own life. And so we think if somebody can look at us as the Joneses to keep up with, then we have somehow got to a prominent place in life when that's a lie from hell because God is saying, if you will just give, I will continue to bless. I will continue to bless. And Paul's saying, Timothy, tell your people in your church to think about money beyond personal luxury. It's more than that. It's more than that. Everybody with me? I can play. I know this is a tight subject, but it's... It's needed. Now, this next statement gets a little personal. Watch what he says. He says, Timothy, tell them to be rich in good works. Tell the people that have food and have shelter and have clothes, don't just throw money at stuff. Don't just throw money and just, here, here, take it. And don't just drop money in an offering bucket thinking that that's your religious duty. That's what he's saying. Tell them, Timothy, if they're going to get in on this economy, tell them to be willing to roll up their sleeves and get in the fight for humanity because these people matter. You see that wall over there? Every last name matters to not only us but to God. I'm telling you, every last name matters. And, and God is challenging us this morning. When you give, think about those people. When you sow, think about those people. When you invest, think about those people because they are the ones that are waiting on us to become everything God called us to be. And if we want to see miracles, and if we've got to get in alignment with how this thing works and it's God's economy he's saying hey tell your church Timothy to love people and care for people and heal people and, love, and, and, and open doors for people and feed people and clothe people and make sure that we are in life together there shouldn't be an us and a them there's just us we're all God's children tell them to physically roll up their sleeves and say you know what it's Saturday I could lay at home but I'm just going to go see if I can rescue a few I have no problem with you giving in an offering bucket. I pray, I pray that you're giving. And what I'm teaching, actually, I, I pray that, listen, our generosity eclipses you just throwing money in a bucket. And I say it every week, but I hope that you don't see it just as a dollar or a ten or a hundred or whatever it is. I hope that you see it as a seed. Come on, say it's a seed. <laughs> we got a lot of people that think just because they dropped a ten in, well, I've done my duty. Come on. Come on. God's going to challenge us beyond that. We're not just going to give money anymore. We're going to see lives changed because of our generosity. And we have to roll up our sleeves. And he goes on and he says the most practical one and obvious one of all. He says, tell them, Timothy, to be generous. You know what the word generous in Hebrew means? Give away everything. 
continually. Continually. For the, the, the fact that it says give away everything continually. Listen, all right, if I gave away everything I own once and I would have nothing to give it away a second time, so I couldn't do it continually. So it's telling me there that God just keeps giving it. And when you give, it just keeps coming. When you give, it just keeps coming. Give it away continually. Don't hoard on to what He's given you. Just keep giving it away and keep giving it away and keep giving it away. Timothy, tell the people in your church to have shelter and have food and have money. Tell them just to keep giving and keep giving. And when you give, God will bless them. When you give, God will bless them. When you give, just get it on the assembly line. When God gives it to you, just touch it, pass it on. Just touch it, pass it on. Just touch it, pass it on. And say, thank you for my blessings. If you want to be a part of this economy and you want to be truly happy and fulfilled, God's telling you how. Embrace these things. And you promise that you'll be happy. And what God is saying is if you will develop a giver's lifestyle. A generous lifestyle where you're giving away not only your money, but your time and efforts and your abilities and your call. You're just giving it all away. Say, God, I give it all back to you. I'm, I'm worn out. I'm physically tired. I've been running my guts out. But you know what? I'm not going to sit on my rump this morning. I'm going to get up and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to give away all I got. I'm just going to keep throwing my seed because I know it's going to produce a harvest. And I'm just going to keep throwing seed because I know it's going to produce a harvest. And our mindset, our mindset should be this, that it, you are always plotting and planning and figuring out ways to bless somebody. You're literally on the prowl everywhere you go. Hey, hey, there's a family over here that don't have any clothes. Come on, everybody, let's make sure they got clothes. Hey, there's a family over here that don't have a car. Hey, can we all gather together and just bless this family with a car? And that's how God is wanting us to live, where we all come corporately and say, there's a need and there's a need, but we're going to figure out a way to fulfill that because God has given us the ability to come together and say, you know what? We've learned one secret, that when we give, God cannot be outgiven. Just going to touch it as it passes. Ooh, it's a nice car. There you go. Be blessed. That's a lot of money. Be blessed. This is amazing. How would this community, that city, this city be radically changed if we lived just on the assembly line? You know, something I calculated last night, and I think that you should get pumped about this because it's your generosity. In two and a half years, I started calculating the ministries we've been able to sow into the things that we've been able to sow into the cameras. We've given away cameras, soundboards, sound systems. We've been able to partner with the Jordan Light. We've been able to partner with homeless shelters. We've been able to partner with other ministries. We've been able to put up people in hotel rooms. We've been able to feed people and clothe people. $72,000 in two and a half years. Come on, come on, church. $72,000. Around that, around that number, $72,000 we've been able to just sow and invest in. It's because your generosity. And this is out of a little ministry, but I'm telling you, it's making a big impact. I'm telling you, it's making a big impact, and God is doing big things. Things. So I personally just want to say thank you. $72,000. And I, I put it on the back of one piece of paper. I don't know where it went. Oh, there it is. I started calculating hotels and bills and ministries, cameras and sound equipment, other ministries, families fed. You know what? Just, just got in on the assembly line. And God just kept blessing. And God just kept blessing. And God just kept blessing. And even in our last board meeting, one of the board members just said, you know what? We've got to sow into other ministries. You know why? Because they all have the heart. That just got to keep blessing. What's interesting is this, and I end here. When you, listen, when you begin to realize this, 
that we, we think that money has nothing to do with the gospel. Do you understand that when you put money in its proper place, money has everything to do with it? You know how I know that? Because there's one scripture. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Wherever you put your treasure. Come on, my heart is with him. So wherever he's, if he's moving over here, you better believe I'm going to sow into this. If he's moving right here, I'm going to sow into this. If he's changing lives over here, I'm going to sow into this. Wherever my treasure is, that's where my heart is going to be. And God is trying to teach us this. And I don't know, I've never met anybody like this. and Maybe you have, but I don't want to be 80, 90, 100 years old on my deathbed and wishing I had a bigger boat. I want to be 80, 90, laying there and saying, God, thank you that you bless me to be a blessing. The Bible says if we live like this, God will lavishly supply everything that you need to live a happy life. Is this not amazing? Here is where I end. Most people believe that not only scholars and historians, but most people believe that Solomon was the wealthiest man that's ever lived on the face of the earth. Solomon, if you don't know who he is, he's actually King David's son. Solomon became a king, and now Solomon acquires all kinds of land and all kinds of cattle and all kinds of gold and all kinds of silver, and he builds temples, and he does all this stuff. And by world standards today, uh, I've read an article that Solomon would be considered a trillionaire. Not a billionaire, trillionaire, living in this time. He's a trillionaire, and it's fascinating. And not only is he the richest man to ever live, but most people think that he's the wisest man that's ever walked on the face of the earth. Because if you've got a trillion dollars, you've you, you got some brains behind that. He's a trillionaire. But watch what he writes in Proverbs chapter number 11, verse 24. I love this. He says, one man gives freely, and he grows richer. And another gets whatever God's given him, and he holds it, and only suffers want. The message translation translates like this. The world of the stingy just keeps getting smaller and smaller. But the world of the generous keeps getting bigger and bigger. That's amazing. We have a chance to where we can be like the prayer of Jabez and we can just expand our horizons. But you want to know how that happens is when you just get in on the assembly line and you say, you know what? Thank you, God. Thank you for the house. But you know what? There's a family that needs it and you bless me to be here. Here's your house. I've prayed. That every, I'm, I'm not even joking. When I see somebody walking on the side of the street or riding a bike or whatever it is, ask Chris and I will actually pray out loud. God, give me the resources to where I can just walk over and hand them a set of keys. I want to live that kind of life. And just so, you know what? I don't want to brag about it. I I don't want to live and come up here and say, you know what, I gave away a car. No, I just want to be able to bless people and say, you know what, this is from God. He's my source and He's allowed me to give you a vehicle this morning. I want to just get in on the assembly line and say, you know what, God, I just want to touch it as it goes by because I know that you're going to do exceedingly and abundantly above. I'm just sowing seed, expecting a harvest, and I know that we will see it. This is how we've got to live. And listen to the conclusion. He says in verse 19, when you do this, Timothy, tell your people that they're actually storing up a good foundation for themselves for the future. And watch how he ends it. So that they may take hold of that which is true life. Did you just hear what Paul said? Timothy, get the notion out of your mind that money is life. It's not. But when you do give, you set yourself away a treasure for your future. And you will obtain an inheritance that is true life. You will walk into a blessing that you'll say, how did I get here? You want to know how you got there? You gave your way there. And we got a lot of people that say, I can't afford to give. Listen, I'm telling you, you, can, you cannot afford not to give. 
You cannot afford not to give. I'm telling you because when you give, something opens, something unlocks, something shifts over our life. And so don't you dare let cars and money and houses and fortune and fame be the thing that stops you from being a blessing. You just say, you know what, God, you put me here. I didn't get here on my own. You know, I'm blessed to have two legs and two arms that function. I'm blessed to have a mind. I'm blessed to have a job. I just want to get on the assembly line. I just want to be a blessing. And it's not just going to be Christmas anymore. It's not just going to be one day a year. I'm going to be living this lifestyle every single day. Whenever I see a need, I just want to say, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. I want to live like that. And I believe that we have a church that has a heart like that. So don't be afraid to give all that you have. Because I promise you, he'll take care of all that you are. Lavishly. So that you can enjoy life and have a fulfilled life. Did you know the only time in scripture that Jesus says test me is on the subject of giving? Test me. Try me. See if I won't. Open up the windows of heaven. He says bring the full tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse was a place that fed you. Bring the full tithe and put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I won't open up the windows of heaven for you to pour out a blessing that you cannot even contain. He's saying, you know what? If you don't even trust me yet, try me and see if I won't. Try me. And so I'm telling you, you cannot afford not to give. I'm not taking up another offering. I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking that you just be generous. Just be generous. Wherever you go today, I challenge you to be, do, do something. Do something that is radical. Do something. Don't put yourself in a bind. Don't be stupid. Come on. I'm not telling you that. But make sure that you just, you, 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 if you got extra, bless somebody. Come on. If you got extra, bless somebody. Buy a single mom's meal when you go through the drive-thru. Tell the car. They, I, I've done this once before. I was in Taco Bell and we was going through the drive-thru. And I, I, paid, I said, I want to pay for the meal behind me. Because the person in front of me paid for mine. And I said, I just want to pay for theirs. It ended up being like 63 bucks. I thought, I bind you, Satan. Come on, I had a whole car full of moms and kids. I guess I got the... My meal was only like $6.96. <laughs> I got a hundredfold of them that one. Come on. Me and Kristen left there cracking up, but... I was like... But you know what you do? You know, that's, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Lord, bring it back. <laughs> But you know what? All you're doing is sowing seed. You can't take it with you. And I'm young and I got a long way to go and a long way to grow. But I do have one thing about me is I have a heart that I love giving. And I love blessing and I love sharing and I love watching people smile and I love watching people get fulfilled. And I love watching this church come together and say, let's make a difference. You know, just when I said that we're going to do a party for a rehab and you guys clap, that's amazing. You know how many churches don't want anything to do with a rehab? But you guys are doing it, and we're going. So I'll leave you with this. I'm going to say it again. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. But the world of the generous just keeps getting bigger. And God will lavishly supply everything that you need in order to fully live a fulfilled life. Come on, do you receive it? Come on, everybody jump on your feet. And I'm just going to pray over you. Close your eyes just for a second. Father, thank you that in this place, 
I thank you, Father, that there are hearts that have been changed this morning, that we're not looking at money as something that we got to hold on to so tightly. But, Father, we are looking at it as an assembly line that you've allowed us to get in on, and we just want to be able to be a blessing wherever we go. So, Father, I speak a spirit of generosity over this congregation. I thank you, Father, that it's not just going to run through Christmas and the holiday season, but it's going to continue for the rest of our life because, God, we're going to see you enlarge our territory. We're going to see our life get bigger and bigger. We're not going to be stingy and see it get smaller and smaller. But, Father, we're going to give and we're going to give and we're going to give because we want to look like you. And so, Father, I thank you that that you're going to change the way we look at finances. That you're going to change the way we look at giving in general. That we're not just giving or dropping money in a bucket or going and building a deck for a family or anything like that. We're sowing seeds. We are sowing seeds. And Father, I thank you that this little ministry has been able to sow into ministries all over the place. But God, now I ask that you enable us to sow into more ministries and bigger amounts. Because God, if you can get it to us, and we know you can, you can get it through us. So Father, thank you for a generous spirit in this church. That we're not holding on to anything that's not even ours in the first place. It's all yours. You're our source. You're our strength. And I'm asking that these people get a revelation. And it changes their life forever. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap.